2018. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The word of God for the people of God. A couple weeks ago, we started up this year's confirmation program. Confirmation is a chance for the young people of the church to learn about the Christian faith and to become full members of the church. Part of confirmation is learning and becoming connected to the creeds and the teachings and the practices of the Christian faith. And we're going to have plenty of time for that in the next few months as these young people make their way through confirmation. But there's one other really important thing that happens in confirmation. In the years that I've been, been pastoring, in the years I've been teaching confirmation classes, I've come to believe that it's at least as important for these young people to become connected to the people of the church as it is for them to be connected to the creeds and the teachings and the practices of the church. We're going to try to do that in a new way this time around. This year for confirmation, we're trying something that we've never tried before. This year, each time our confirmation students get together for a class, for a teaching session, we're going to begin our time together with a meal. And each of those meals is going to be hosted by some member of our Court Street Church family. So while these young people are breaking bread together, they're going to get to hear stories of someone's life and someone's faith. They're going to get to hear from that person what a difference their faith has made in their life and what a difference the church has made in their life. When we got together for our very first session two weeks ago, our, our first meal host was Bill Piper. Uh, Bill, Bill is a, a longtime member, in fact, one of the most senior members of the Court Street United Methodist Church. He absolutely floored the kids when he told them that he's been a member here at Court Street for almost 75 years now. And as the, uh, as the kids were eating, Bill shared with them stories from his years in the church. He was honest about some of the hard times that he's been through. Bill shared some of the lessons and some of the wisdom that he's accumulated along the way. And before the kids uh, left, before, before uh, he parted from us, uh, Bill went around a big circle and gave each of the kids a great big hug. It was the perfect way for us to start our confirmation journey together. I wouldn't have changed a thing. I'm so grateful that Bill was willing to do that for us. And so I was surprised a couple days later uh, when Bill pulled me aside and he said, Pastor, I was having so much fun with the kids the other night that I forgot to tell them the most important thing. I forgot to tell them the one thing that I actually really wanted to say. I said, well, what was that, Bill? He said, well, this is what I really wanted to tell the kids. Uh, and then Bill started reminiscing uh, about the way that the church was back when he joined the church 75 years ago. He said, when I joined Court Street Church 75 years ago, he said the church had 2,600 members. 
We had three, three services on Sunday, and on Easter we had to put chairs out in the aisles in order to hold all of the people. He said the youth choir, just the youth choir, was so large that it filled the entire balcony of the church. And, and, and he went on like that for a while. And I have to confess, don't tell Bill I said this, I have to confess that as he was reminiscing about the way that the church used to be, my eyes started to glaze over a little bit. Because the thing is, I've heard this sermon before. In, in the years that I've been pastoring and in all of the churches that I've served, I can't tell you how many times somebody has said to me, oh, pastor, you should have seen this place back in the day. In 1972, there were so many people in worship that if you didn't show up early, you ran the risk of being turned away and sent to worship with the Presbyterians. You, you, should, have seen, you should have seen the church. Back in the day, we had to use offering plates the size of wagon wheels in order, to hold, in order to hold all the money on Sunday mornings. Back in the day, the youth group was so big that the smell of teenagers would make your eyes water from a block down the road. You should have seen this church back in the day, Pastor. One of the things that I've learned in my years of pastoring is that church people love, love to talk about the good old days. It's always been that way. Even in the earliest days of the church, there were people in the church who loved to just sit around and talk about the good old days. It was true. It was true even in the church of the Colossians. In this morning's scripture reading, we have a portion of a letter that the Apostle Paul sent to, uh, to the believers in a place called Colossae. Now, Colossae was a city in the part of the world that now we call Turkey. And Colossae was a city with a proud and a storied history. At one time, Colossae was one of the most prosperous cities in all of the Roman Empire. Now, Colossae was a manufacturing town. Colossae was famous for the quality of its products and for the industriousness of its citizens. But over time, the economy moved on. Jobs moved away to other cities, and then people moved away to other cities. And Colossae went through a long, long period of decline. And after decades of decline, after decades of shrinking, the city of Colossae, which was already on its knees, was suddenly hit with a series of, of crises and disasters. Is any of this sounding familiar to you, longtime Flint residents? In the year 17 AD, the city was shaken by a terrible earthquake, an earthquake so bad that it leveled the city right down to the ground. But the people in Colossae were resourceful, and they were resilient, and they vowed that they were going to rebuild their city. They vowed that, that Colossae was going to rise from the ashes, and that's exactly what happened. Bit by bit, year by year, decade after decade, they rebuilt their city until finally it was a city that you could be proud to call home again. And then just when the city had got back on its feet, in the year 60 AD, the city was hit by another earthquake just as terrible as the first one. In an instant, all of the work that they had done to rebuild their city for four decades was completely undone. And it was right around that time, just after that second earthquake, that the church in Colossae took a turn for the worse. Now, the church was struck not by an earthquake, but the church was shaken by a new teaching. Nobody knows how this new teaching came to the church in Colossae. It might have been brought there from another place by somebody. It might have been something that the Colossians came up with themselves. We don't know how this new teaching took hold in the Colossian church. What we do know is that not long after that second earthquake struck, as these people were living in the rubble of a ruined city, the preachers and the teachers in the church of the Colossians started saying to the people, here is the gospel. This world is evil. 
This world and everything in this world are evil and filled with corruption, and that is why our lives are so hard. That is why we are so very miserable. That's why everything we build falls apart just as fast as we can build it. This world is made for destruction, but the good news is we were not made for this world. Jesus came to set us free from this world. Jesus came to lead us to a better place. And the way we follow Jesus is by turning our backs on this world. The way that we follow Jesus is by leaving this world behind. And that is exactly what the Colossians did. They started practicing their faith in a whole new way. Where before they would gather around the table and break bread with one another, now they fasted from food to the point of starvation. Where before they would go out into the community and serve their neighbors, now they spent long hours in meditation, hoping that God would give them visions of heaven. Where before they used to, in worship, pray for their neighbors, now they would sit around and worship and talk about how much better everything used to be and how that proves that this world is going to heck in a handbasket. The Colossians turned their back on this world. And one day the Apostle Paul heard about what was going on in the Colossian church, and he was alarmed. Now, Paul understood why this teaching took hold in the Colossian church. He understood how appealing this message must have sounded to people who were literally living in the rubble of a ruined city. But Paul also recognized the danger of this new teaching, the danger of this new gospel. Paul could see that as the Colossians were cutting themselves off from this world, they were also cutting themselves off from God. And so before the church could be lost completely, the apostle sat down and he wrote a letter to the Colossians. He starts his letter by giving greetings. He says, hello, I'm Paul, remember me? And then he says, I pray for you day and night. He says, you have no idea how many hours I spend in prayer for you. All day long, he says, I pray to Jesus. Remember Jesus? You used to know a lot about Jesus. You used to be followers of Jesus. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Through him, all things were created. In him, all things hold together. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through the blood of his cross, God has made peace with all creation. Do you remember Jesus, Paul says? He goes on and on praising Jesus and talking about Jesus. And all of this is Paul's poetic and apostolic way of saying, you knuckleheads, don't you remember what this faith, this Christian faith is all about? The Christian faith is about a God who loves this world. The Christian faith is about a God who loves this world so much that God chose to come and dwell among us in human flesh in this world. The Christian faith is about a God who loves this world so deeply that God is in this world with us. Still, every particle of creation shakes and rattles with the power and the presence and the love of God and the task of the Christian faith, the practice of the Christian faith, the essence of the Christian faith is not turning our backs on this world. The essence of the Christian faith is learning to love this world the way that God loves this world. The essence of the Christian faith is learning to see God in the baby, in the manger, and in the bread, and in the cup, and in that person sitting in that pew over there. The essence of the Christian faith is learning that God is with us even in the rubble. 
Don't get so caught up in your memories of yesterday and your visions of tomorrow that you miss out on seeing the God who is with us here today, Paul says to the Colossians. And I should have known that Bill Piper had already learned that lesson. When I joined this church 75 years ago, Bill said the church had 2,600 members, three services on Sunday, chairs in the aisles. There was a youth choir that filled the entire balcony, Bill said. And what I wanted to tell the kids the other night is that Court Street Church is a more faithful and a better church today than it was 75 years ago. Because 75 years ago, this was an all-white church. And if a person of color or an LGBTQ person had walked through the doors of the church, we wouldn't have known what to do. We wouldn't have welcomed them. We would not have made them feel at home, Bill said. But today, we welcome everybody. We've learned how to see God in the faces of all our neighbors. We've learned how to wrap our arms around the whole of the community, and that is how you measure a church, not by the number of people in the pews. You measure a church by its ability to see God in everyone and in everything. That's what Bill wanted to tell the kids the other night. That's what Paul wanted to tell the Colossians. I believe that's what God wanted to tell us today. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for Court Street United Methodist Church, for the story of this church that continues today in us. We give you thanks for the things that you've taught us over the years, for the ways in which you have made us faithful, for the ways in which your love has dwelled among us and moved within us. We pray that you would give us eyes to see Give us eyes to see you in the bread and in the cup, in the baby in the manger, in the wandering carpenter with the shabby clothes, in the sex worker, in the tax collector, in all of our neighbors, in the whole of this world. God, help us to see you, that we might know you are with us, working to rebuild this world right alongside us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.